Live at Five Sports with Todd and Sue Ann, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Lavelle Neal joining us uh, this week as he fills in for Jim. We thank him again for that. And while the uh, first-time Hall of Fame for the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame ballot uh, uh, guys eligible announced yesterday, Joe Maurer among them, uh, former twins. So, Lavelle, what do you think uh, the chances are? First, before you talk about that, are you a voter for the Hall of Fame? Oh, yeah, I've been voting for about 15 years now. Okay. All right, so what do you think Joe's chances are being a first ballot Hall of Famer? First ballot Hall of Famer, I'm not sure if he's going to get enough support. You know, mm-hmm. and over the last handful of years, especially his career wound down, I would have conversations with other uh, media members across the country, and there is uh, a belief that most voters will focus on the 10 years he was a catcher and not on the five years. They were the first baseman, so they'll, they'll focus on the 2009 MVP and the three batting titles mm-hmm. and the excellence behind the plate as a signal caller and controller of the running game. Mm-hmm. And um, that gives me confidence that he is going to get voted in eventually. Mm-hmm. You know, because he, you know, he catcher to win three batting titles is unheard of. Right. Um, I, I think people will not forget that. And I think in the final reckoning that Joe will be a Hall of Famer. First ballot, I'm not sure. Um but I haven't run into too many detractors across the country. I'm not saying that I've talked to every writer. You know, you, sure. now you're talking about like 500 voters. Right. But whenever we would discuss Joe, um, the reaction was favorable. So I, I think he will get in. I just don't know if it's going to be year one. More of an exclusive club. I don't know what the percentage is of first ballot Hall of Famers, but it's kind of like they're on the ground floor, the first ballot guys, and then each level uh, goes up. You know, as long as they get in, that's the main thing. Absolutely. I think so. And, you know, I think attitudes would change. You know, that first ballot Hall of Fame used to be like a, a club within the club, you mm-hmm. know, uh, where um, that became a thing. Some writers, well, he's a Hall of Famer, but he's not a first ballot. So I'll I'll wait to his second year in the ballot to vote him in, which I think kind of stinks because, you know, we've got a lot of guys, a lot of cases that are borderline. Mm-hmm. And if you think someone's a Hall of Famer now, uh, you should just go ahead and vote for him instead of uh, holding back a year just because you don't want him to be an exclusive member of the first ballot club. Um, we end up having a lot of borderline cases that need to be taken care of or need to be addressed here. So yeah. if, you think, if you think a guy's a Hall of Famer, vote for him now. Let's move on to the next uh, case. How many uh, guys can you vote for, and is it a requirement to vote for a certain number? No, you don't have to vote for any. You don't have to re- return your ballot. Oh. Um, you can vote for up to 10. Mm-hmm. So. And in most years, I had voted for anyone from 7 to 10, uh, especially the last few years. So, um, you know, and I've changed my mind. You know, I was against some guys for a while, and then I changed my mind. Uh, we really had a tough time with the uh, steroid era players. Yeah. Um, but then we became incensed the year that Bud Selig was voted in uh, by, like, the Veterans Committee because it, it was under his watch where – the drug policy lacked bite, and we found out that players had taken advantage of it, and things needed to be taken care of. So mm-hmm. a lot of writers decided to vote for, like, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens after that just because Bud was in mm-hmm. the hall. So right. that's a case. That's an example of how attitudes can change. And also, um, you know, Burt Bollett was a great case. You know, 3,701 strikeouts. You know, his numbers don't get better with time, but I think the way people look at numbers have, has changed since – he started on the ballot. Um, it, you know, uh, they don't you know focus on the ERA or, or the losses, you know, and things like that. The home runs given up. 
Uh, they look at more of the raw numbers and what he did over the body of his career. And, you know, Burt ended up gaining momentum later in his career yeah. and, um, and getting in. And like I said, we look at the voting differently now. I mean, I think Zach Grinke, I think, won the Cy Young Award when he went 16 wins. You know, mm-hmm. that tells you how analytics has kind of influenced voters here. So, yeah. and that's why I, another reason why I think Joe's got a chance to get in because once you look at the numbers with Joe and see the position he did it in, uh, it's even more impressive. I think King Felix Hernandez won the Cy Young one year with like 12 or 13 wins too. So uh, I, I, I believe you're right. Yeah. And, and here, here's the thing too. Here's what we screwed up. Bartolo Colon was voted in uh, Cy Young with 20 wins because he got to 20. Mm-hmm. But like his rest of his numbers were terrible. Like at 3.8, 3.9 ERA, uh, walked a bunch of guys. Uh, Johan Santana actually had stronger raw numbers than um, than. Cologne, and I believe that that vote was taken now that Santana would have won the Cy Young that year. That would have given him three consecutive Cy Youngs, and every pitcher who's won at least three Cy Youngs is in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. That changes history. There's a lot of still the steroid-era guys who, who aren't in. Some gain momentum, as you referenced, after Bud Selig went in, but not enough for Bonds and uh, to get into the Hall or Roger Clemens. Also, Alex Rodriguez, the, the Timberwolves owner, uh, I think was last year his first year of eligibility, or no, third year of eligibility uh, maybe last year, and, and he's not really that close either. He, you know, he's, he's in a separate case. Him and Manny Ramirez are in another category because – they tested positive ah. after the league got toughened their, uh, their right. policy. A-Rod got the level, I believe it was a 212-game suspension. Manny has continued <laughs> in the last few years of his career. He, I think he tested positive a couple times. He, If he wanted to come out of retirement at age 44 or whatever he is, he'd have to like serve a 100-game suspension or whatever. <laughs> so, so I think we've come down hard on the guys who have – who gotten busted after the league got serious about uh, steroid awareness? Mm-hmm. Uh, what about uh, Bonds and Clemens, though? They're in that other category. Yeah, they are now on. They are now on. Move on to like the veterans committee. You know, oh, that's I don't right. think. Because yeah, I don't think they um, they uh, got enough folks to stay on the ballot over. I think it's ten years now. So yeah. um, their cases will come up, and those are going to be very interesting conversations because I was on last year's veterans committee that voted Fred McGriffin and uh, it's a, it ends up being a, a really interesting panel of people because you had executives like Theo Epstein, uh, owners like Artie Moreno, and then you had the sports writers like me and Susan Slosser of the San Francisco Chronicle. Sure, yeah. and you had former players like I sat next to Greg Maddox and Lee Smith and uh, and um, uh, Mark Grace, no not Mark Grace, but Ryan Sandberg. Uh, Jack Morris is on the panel. You know, I can't say we. Jack and I had like a back and forth in the middle of the <laughs> the meeting <laughs> over a certain player. These these um, these meetings get real interesting, and some of the stuff you hear about players that you didn't know will make the hair stand on your head. So, wow, uh, it's it's a very interesting uh, process. And but I think we all felt comfortable uh, getting the crime dog in the Hall of Fame. What uh, I, I've heard that the former players that are on these committees are even more anti-steroid uh, era than than the sports writers such as yourself. Is that true? Uh, I would say yes. Mm-hmm. I would say yes. I mean, you talk you talk to some former players. God, I remember when Harmon Kilbrew was alive, and uh, it was talk about steroids, and you know his face would turn red, and he mm-hmm. he's got those massive hands, and he'd fall off his fist, and he'd just be <laughs> adamant about how it's wrong for those p- players to you know cheat. And, and benefit from it. And after talking to a bunch of former players, you know, I discovered that 
um, in the in their in the, as far as their opinion is concerned, you can have the fame and you have the glory, mm-hmm. but if you're going to cheat your way to do it, you're not getting the plaque. Yeah, interesting. All right. Uh, so Adrian Belche, Chase Utley, two of the other first-time uh, guys, uh, will either of them get in? Uh, Beltre better get in. He mm-hmm. better. He was the gold standard defensively at third base uh, for years, Dodgers and Rangers, and was a very good offensive player as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot of third baseman in the Hall of Fame either. I right. think he was just excellent for what he did. Utley's going to have a good case, too. He's going to have the East Coast support uh, uh, working for him, um, and he's had a long, distinguished career. Although I don't know if he he was, I think he's had a few really good off- offensive seasons, but I don't know if it was uh, from start to finish with him. So that may be a little bit of a strike. But to be honest with you, I haven't looked at the ballot and started researching. I've got another month to hand it yeah. in. So yep. uh, I haven't started crunching numbers of players yet. But I just know from watching Adrian Beltre, especially when he was with the Rangers, that um, he yeah. deserves to be in the hall. Yeah. Twins have kind of said that with uh, uh, uncertainty about media dollars coming in, that they'll need to reduce payroll this year. How how might fans notice that effect? Will we? Yeah, you know, I think it's upsetting because there's not even any talk of Sonny Gray coming back next year, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's disappointing. I mean, Aaron Nola ended up working out a deal to go back to Philadelphia, mm-hmm. um, but now it looks like Gray's going to move on to another organization, and and, and that stinks. But you know, it was coming too. It, I mean, it's a punch in the gut to the fans because they're coming off such a uh, a season that made them happy and cheering yep. and uh, and and watched the the team win the playoff series for the first time in. Since 2002, yeah. um, but the day was coming. I mean, when they signed Carlos Correa, you know that pushed their payroll to the limit. Mm-hmm. You know, so and I think because the Twins weren't, they didn't really break out of the gate and like dominate the division at the beginning of the year. They didn't get the bump in attendance that they thought they were going to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's playing into their their calculus for next year. And yet the TV situation, which I think we're going to hear something about this in the next three weeks, okay. as far as how Twins games can be broadcast. I, I heard on the grapevine that there's there's been progress made in that in that regard. Right, so uh, we also may find out who's going to call the games in the next couple of weeks, which will be very interesting to see uh, play out. But I just think that um, you know. The Twins had to make a few adjustments on the payroll. They already have $125 million wrapped up in the, in the players coming back. So they have a finite amount of money to try to uh, add to that and build around that. That's why they're going to rely on some of these younger players you know, to play bigger roles. You know, Can Eduardo Julian take another step forward? Can uh, Royce Lewis stay healthy for a whole season? Can Byron Buxton stay healthy, for Christ's sakes? You know. Yeah. Um, that would make them a, a more attractive team. So, but um, I'm, I, there still should be excitement going into the season coming off this year. Um, if Sonny Gray ends up being like the worst de- departure, you know, mm-hmm. it's still gonna be a good team. Yeah. You still have a, a legitimate frontline guy in Pablo Lopez. Yeah. Um, I would imagine that the Twins are benefiting from a, a little bit of a boost in group sales heading into next year. That's that's my thing. So maybe say, hopefully financially, this is the only off season where they had to noticeably you know take a step back. Lavelle, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Sue and Lavelle Neal with us uh, this week. Uh, It's brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.